We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Good morning, Grinders! Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Friday, and you know what we do on Fridays? It's Fighting Friday. We talk about the MMA slate, the UFC Nashville card coming up tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we got a 12 fight card. DraftKings got what 200 deferred, 100,000 deferred, whatever. The large field contest. We'll be talking primarily about that. Hit that thummy thumb button. Hit the thummy thumbs. Give me the thummy thumbs. You know how much I love the thummy thumbs in the morning. This is your, your free MMA content here at Roto Grinders. If you want the, the breakdowns of all the fights, right, with Liam and Mike, do you want uh, Squirrel Patrols, uh, tournament tournament takes, or I mean, I don't know what the, what that column is called is you know his underdog picks uh the expert survey you want the you want lineup hq the projections everything just sign up for roto grinders premium click on that link in the description get ten dollars off 
your first month. If you got any questions, obviously post them in the YouTube chat. We got a 12-fight card. Remember, what do we do? What do we do every week? Especially since we're playing large field GPPs. We look for the two most important contextual variables that will make the nut lineup more probable or less probable, right? What is it, what is it going to look like, okay? So we have a 12-fight card, which is right in the middle, okay? Large cards, we favor ceilings over win win equity. Small cards, we favor win equity over, I mean, we always love a ceiling, but especially with the underdogs, right? On a large card, an underdog at 7,400 that puts up 72 points, Probably doesn't make the nut lineup, the optimal lineup. On a small card, nine fight card, dude, if you get six six fighters that win, and you get an underdog that wins, that could be fine. This is right in the middle. Okay, so neither way. I, I would I would not necessarily call this like, oh, you can't play certain underdogs. I, in fact, a lot of the underdogs have ceilings anyway. A lot of the underdogs, they'll win by knockout. They'll win by wrestling. They'll win by, by something, right? So, I mean, I think everyone is in, I mean, at some point, every everyone is in play. I know Ze- Ze- Jessica Andrade is a, is a sizable underdog against Tatiana Suarez. But, I mean, we've seen Andrade, fit, Andrade finish finish people before. I mean, big, big underdog, but, like, not, not, not a no one, right? Rob Font in the main event is only 6,900. A five-round decision win, he, he's probably going to be optimal. I mean, Ludovic Klein could get a knockout. I mean, Bar- Barcelos, Jackson, and Durden all have, you know, wrestling in their back pocket, right? Ode Osborne could knock someone out, right? I mean, we we, we got people here. We got people here ceiling-wise. So I don't, I'm not sure how much, uh, you know, the difference between ceiling and win equity, right? Because most of the time, if those people win, they may put up a lot of points anyway. And the second contextual variable are the spreads of the fights. Okay, I'm going to go to my, my sheet right here. I got this filled in. This is from from yesterday, two days ago. Some of these lines may have moved a little. I just I just, uh, the ITD lines for the the Woodson Bazuchka Bazuchka. How do you pronounce that? Bazuchka fight. I I can't even find. I found the round one ones, but the round inside the distance one. I I just kind of said like anyone at plus one thousand in the round one is probably around plus four fifty inside the distance. So I kind of like filled that in, but. Weird, weird, a little bit weird, this slate, that the highest-priced fighter is not the biggest favorite. I mean, not even close to the biggest favorite. Uh, Sean Woodson in 9,600 is is overpriced, right? If we reprice this based on uh, DraftKings pricing, we'd have, you know, Suarez at one, Sanhagen at two, three, Bob Mondays, four, five, six. You have six fighters before you get to Woodson. So Woodson would be one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, Woodson would be like 8,800 or something like that. 8,800, 8,900. He's 9,600. Okay, the reason for that is because he had a last-minute replacement, you know, for his opponent, like like a week ago, like when they came out with the pricing. Like he already had, like he's already gone through multiple opponents. Okay, so originally, like he was supposed to fight someone, and then there was a replacement like two weeks ago, and then that guy can't fight. So they replaced him with this other guy, and that's when the pricing was, you know, for the, for, for that guy, and then that guy can't make it. So now they got they got Dennis Mazuchka, or whatever his name is, in. And uh, 
The fight is much more, much more closely lined now. But of course, DraftKings doesn't, once they have a salary, they don't change it. So they just added Bazuchka at, uh, at 7,500 and left Woodson at 9,600. And obviously also with Woodson's kind of style, like it's it's not all that ceiling friendly to begin with. So even if even if he was if he was a minus four hundred favorite over here, and, and he'd probably be fairly low on anyway. All right, Fernando Rodney in chat says Sean Woodson not worth it this week. Yeah, probably not. Probably all things probable, but it also means he's going to be lower owned. I don't know how low owned, but he he could be significantly lower owned. But we look at the spreads of the fights. Like Suarez is a, about a four to one favorite. Sanhagen is about three to one favorite. We got some two to ones, but we got a lot of like we got a lot of fights that are within within pick'em range, two to one or less, three to two or less. All right, we got the Carantillo fight. I mean, obviously the Woodson fight, the Bozer fight, the Almabayev fight, the Wells fight, Jinjuku, Lopez, that are competitively lined. The closer the spreads of the fights, the more and more probable the more and more probability of lower salary lineups being the nuts become apparent. doesn't mean it's more probable. It's just saying that that on a, on a slate with multiple minus 500 favorites, most likely the nut lineup is going to be a lineup that's like 49.5 plus, 49K plus, you know, like something like that. On a slate with a lot of pickums, it basically just means that like guys are like, do you want to pay 9,100 for Baja Mondes? At minus two twenty five. Well, on another slate, a ninety one hundred dollar fighter could even be like minus three twenty five. Right? They have to put up a lot more points, and they're not, you know, guaranteed to win in any sense. They're not as much of a favorite. So we have a lot of fights in this this middle range. That dude, you could see four underdogs, five underdogs win this slate. And with some of these dogs, I mean, they they could put up hundred plus points. Knockouts wrestling so the probability of lineups that are like 48.5 48k 2000 on the table are much more viable this slate than on than on other slates where the 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 spreads of the fights are much wider so take that into account also it's a weird thing we don't have an 8200 8000 dollar fight right it's going to be it's going to be much harder i mean i think i think that's because there's no 8200 8,000 fight, I think it's going to increase the ownership of this Lopez-Tucker fight. 8,300, 7,900, because you're going to get, like, stuck. You're going to get stuck construction-wise in this range. Because, like, if you build, like, we just go, like, with a hand-built. I mean, the most popular favorites are going to be Suarez and Sanhagen. Probably after that is Carantillo, right? So people are going to make this construction. So that's what we're doing. You're going through, what, what, what's the construction going to look like? Can you play Lopez in this? Like you really can't do that, right? I get, I get, I get see, I can see this being a cash lineup, cash type lineup. Suarez, Sanhagen, Carantillo, Lopez, Font, Klein. Obviously, probably shouldn't. Probably, eh, I mean, probably not going to stack in in GPPs. But you know, with the, if this thing goes the distance for five rounds, maybe Font puts up. 75 points in a decision loss. And if all the favorites win, maybe that's that's 6,900. It's a little bit a little bit more viable than normal, right? I'm I don't do it. But if you said, hey, 
I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for I, I mean I wouldn't do it in this configuration. I wouldn't play Suarez Sanhagen and Kyron Teo together in GPP and then also play fun. I mean, this is like this is more like stuff that you do in double ups. But playing playing font, I mean playing font in general, like without Sanhagen. Like if this goes five rounds, I mean Rob Font could Rob Font and all the and pretty much all the favorites win. It's hard for him not to be the highest scoring underdog in five rounds of, of, of striking, right? Of course, in a stack, you need also need Sanhagen to put up a you know, 120 points. Which is a little bit a little bit tougher if Font is already getting like 75. Yeah, I guess it's possible. It's a tw- it's a 12 it's a 12 fight card. But if we if we don't, if we only played like two out of Suarez, Sanhagen, and Carantillo, like people, like I'm just going through like lineups that people will make. So let's say they don't play Suarez and they play Sanhagen and Carantillo, right? Or they just play Sanhagen and Suarez, and now you have to go in the mid range. So if you're not playing Carantillo, maybe you play uh, Damon Jackson against him. I think that's going to be a very popular fight on both sides. Because Damon Jackson's win condition is probably putting up a lot of points, taking Quarantillo down and submitting him, wrestling. Although Quarantillo is, is, is fine on the mat also. Right, so you have here, 79-67, right? People will play De- Dennis Bazuchka maybe, Carlston Harris, that Wells-Harris fight, probably going to be pretty popular. You take the Harris side here, 8,100. You take Bazuchka, whatever. Then you, I mean, you kind of you end up getting stuck in this range where you're going to be playing like so. You're going to play at least one person from Wells down to Harris. Because even if you play Wells in this lineup, go here Wells, San Diego Suarez, Jackson Wells, seventy seven hundred, right? And then you then you go like Bazuchka, and then you then you get Kevin Tuck, right? And if you go even further down. You go to like Barcelos, you go to or Klein, you could play Diego Lopez. Now, is this one of those type of things? Oh, avoid that construction. Well, without an $8,200, $8,000 fight, and when we have you know a $9,600 guy that may not be worth $9,600, like it's just, it's hard to avoid not playing someone. Because obviously, if Suarez and Sa- like, if you're building Suarez, Sanhagen, Carantillo lineups, you may you you can, oh, I'll avoid the mid range and play like Jake Hadley or something, or you can't even do that. Go down really low, right? Klein, like, what's the lowest you could go? If you do Suarez, Sanhagen, Carantillo, you do Klein, Barcelos, then you have eight thousand, and you could take any one of these, right? Any of you could take and Tucker, Jacoby, Harris, Ode. You're just stuck in a. It, there's so few combinations here, especially for large field GPPs. Like once you shove in a ninety-five hundred, ninety-three hundred, and eighty-nine hundred dollar fighter, your remaining average, your average remaining player salary is seventy-four thirty-three, and you can't play Font and Andrade <coughs> without stacking. So you're stuck with like the lowest you could do is Klein. You have seventy-six hundred remaining average between two fighters. Like the best you could do, you're still playing three. You're still playing three underdogs. So what's the combination of all these underdogs? It would be a factorial, right? Of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, 
eight, nine, ten. So that's about, and then you have to choose three of them. So it's not just 10 factorial. It's like 10 factorial over three factorial. In large field contest, I'm not sure, I'm not sure how many combinations are going to be like under fives. Especially when we have Suarez at 47% projected on, San Egan at 50% projected on, and Kyron Teo at 42. I think an easy, an easy way of avoiding dupes or at least getting more under fives. You don't mind. Let's just be clear. You don't have to be unique in large field. I would just try to aim for un, under five. You're duped two or three times, fine. You're, you're fine. That's good. You're duped 27 times. You're not good. You're duped 84 times. That's not, you, you can't win in the long run playing those types of lineups. So the easy way is to just group out Suarez, San Egg, and Carantillo, max, max two. You could, I mean, you, you may still run into some highly duped lineups even with that. You do max one, I think. I think you're you're fine. If you did, if you if you did Suarez, San Egg, and Carantillo, font. You may not even have to throw font in there. So I'm not sure you need to necessarily throw in a Wells or a Lopez or any of those type of, you may, you may not need to, but yeah, but the main three are going to be, I mean, obviously you could tell by the ownership right here, and especially at the high range. I mean, people are going to be building more barbell lineups. It's weird because last week we we're talking about, oh, people are building in their mid range. So I'm building more barbell lineups here. People are building barbell lineups. So I'd, be more inclined to be in the mid-range. Right? Like if you play, if you, I mean, if you play like Al Mabayev against Osborne, like if you just got like, what happens if you just, you, you'd still stay in the middle. Like you still play Lopez and you still play Wells. Or it's going to be decently owned. Like, is there a way to like, let's see. Let's say you still play Jackson against Carantillo. You play Durden against Hadley, maybe? Kammer against Bozer? You still have 9,200. You could do Sanhagen and Baumondes or Phillips or something like that. Yeah, I'm, I'd be much more inclined to build these types of lineups. You start with one of Suarez or Sanhagen. Instead of putting them both together. And then playing a a Bamondes or Kyler Phillips. Play Hadley instead of Carantillo. Bozer's a tough sell, although he'll be he'll be low, he'll be low on. I mean, the 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 thing about my 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 spreadsheet is that it's it relies very heavily on predicting ownership. Like I have all the betting lines, I have the RG projections, the RG ownership. I made a little bit of adjustment to ownership, only preliminarily. A ceiling, a kind of average kind of stealing metric. And then I put them all together and compare that to ownership. And then I come up with this rating, which is essentially a leverage rating. Are they are they effective? Are they efficiently owned, inefficiently owned? Like as of right here, I have Dustin Jacoby 
if he comes in at 19% as overall in comparison to, to, to the ratings above him. I just have Wells. If he comes in at 34%, I have him as overall. Kyler Phillips, if he comes in at 26%, I have, his, I have him as overall. Hadley, Hadley, maybe not, not so much. On the underdog side, most of the underdogs are about efficiently owned. There's nothing that stands out here other than like maybe Jacoby's a little too high owned. Maybe Carlson Harris is a tad. If he's going to be 27, maybe he should only be 24. I mean, for the most part, I mean, there's not, if you see the ratings here, there's not, there's not that drastic of a difference. Like I would say like Ludovic Klein is a little under owned at 18% if he comes in at 18%. But it's not that dramatically different than like Damon Jackson at twenty three percent. Like it's 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 marginal. Then at the top you have you know to me that obviously based on the lines minus one seventy five inside the distance, the highest rated fighter is Tatiana Suarez. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. And I have her, if she comes in at 48% ownership, she'd actually be a little bit under-owned. Sanhagen is a, I would say, is it, 
I mean, Suarez and Sanhagen are just like, they're inside the distance line in comparison to so many other fighters on the slate. Because you have the Woodson plus 240, Phillips plus 205, Bozer plus 225, uh, Almabaya plus 215. Like these are favorites that have like less than a 30% chance of finishing compared to Suarez and Sanhagen who have 52 and 64% chance. If you take out the VIG, it's obviously a little bit lower. But then you have up here, then you have Sean Woodson. Like, like to me, like the two, the two more interesting plays, plays are Woodson and Bozer. They're the they're the two that people are gonna avoid, are gonna try, are gonna probably avoid like the plague. <coughs> to pay 9600 for Sean Woodson with the worst inside the distance, with the worst line than like half of the favorites. Like, dude, he's going to need a knockout. I mean, he's going to need a finish. I mean, how, how else, how else is he going to, 9,600 is almost like you need the quick win bonus. Unless for some odd reason that Suarez loses, Sanhagen loses, Bob Mendez puts up a 62 point score in a win, a boring win. Phillips only puts up 82. It could be Woodson puts up 98 points and it happens to be the second highest score on the slate. I mean, it could happen. There is a probability. There is a percent of the time that that does happen. It's not a high probability, but it does. But I mean, all I have to do is compare it to ownership and he's only going to be 15% owned. You could do worse. I mean, the pricing is, makes it, I mean, I, the difference between Woodson and Sanhagen is is like 300 and their leverage rating is close. So it, come, it comes down to the point of like, like Sanhagen is as, as far as my rating is concerned, leverage as of the numbers that are currently here. Sanhagen is, as, is just as viable as Woodson at the, at once you compare to ownership, right? 51% to 15%. Now, if you tell me Woodson's going to be 8% on and San Higgins will be 74% on, then, then it switches the other way. The same thing could be said for Tanner Bozer. Like, no one no one ever wants to play Tanner Bozer. He's 8,700, minus 145, probably should be a couple hundred cheaper against Alexa Kamor. Plus 225 inside the distance, which is not great for 8,700. But, I mean, his win condition is essentially a knockout, right? He doesn't do that often, but, I mean, it, it is, right? And if he's going to be 12% owned, and he has a... If 12% owned and a 31% chance of finishing, 14% of the first round, it's viable. Is it probable? No. Is it viable at that ownership? It's something that oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna build I'm gonna build twenty lineups and have them in seventeen of them. The problem I probably wouldn't do that. The problem with Tanner Bozier is that if he wins via decision, like I can't possibly see how he scores that many points. Like he's, he's gonna have like fourteen strikes around, and he's gonna win with a sixty-two point score or something, something like that. That's why more people are gonna play Alessia Kamor because. No one's gonna play Bozer. Twelve percent. But yeah, but if you bump that up, like if he's if he 
you bump it up to let's say eighteen percent, and then you should, you should. I wouldn't touch them in a ten foot pole. That's how. That's how. That's that's how the margins on the ownership are so thin, right? If I change mine, right? The RG has it at at uh, we have it at the thirteen, right? You see, my rating is 0.97. So if that came back down to like 0.92, he'd. Uh, I mean, Almabayev would be. As good as him, right? So at what level? Right, I, by, uh, dude, by a matter of like two percentage points in ownership. That's it. The difference between 12 versus 13 versus 14 is that difference. Now, obviously, on the other side, if he's if he's going to be 9% on, then he's been, look, look, you see it lights up. The margin on these things are very thin. Very, very thin. If you're off on ownership by, you know, but some at some points, two, three percent, <clears throat> four, five. You know, I mean, if you're off, if you're up by like five percent with someone, especially the, the the lower people, like the difference between twelve and seventeen, or the difference between twelve and seven. That's the difference between oh, I only played him in 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 two out of twenty lineups, and then find out that you should have played him in sixteen out of twenty lineups, and vice versa. No, I played this guy in sixteen out of twenty lineups, and he came in, you know, instead of twelve percent on, he came in at eighteen percent on. If I hadn't known that, I would have just X'd him out. <laughs> you get into that, you get into that problem. But yeah, but obviously, I mean. Obviously, they're going to be the two lowest owned favorites. And then Baja Mondays is right behind there because, I mean, Baja Mondays has similar win condition as both. I mean, 9,100, you're going to need, you know, you got five minutes. You got a first round knockout against Ludovic Klein. He's not really, really a prolific fantasy scorer. I don't see this being a very high scoring slate in general. I see a lot of decisions. There are more knockouts in the mid range, and I and I think you know people are going to go Suarez, Sanhagen, and then focus on the mid range and try to get away with someone on the bottom. <coughs> Cody Durden has wrestling. Damon Jackson has wrestling. Ronnie Barcelos has wrestling. <coughs> to some extent, he's more of a submission grappler than a wrestler. I don't know how many people are going to play Bazooka with them coming in on like four days notice. But the fact that people are probably not playing Woodson means that I'm expecting Bazooka to be higher owned than Woodson is because of price. But there you go. Our first look at the UFC Nashville slate tomorrow. Six o'clock Eastern is locked. Uh, me and Mike Brown will be on tomorrow for for crunch time, right? Free on this channel, brought to you by FanDuel. So you can tune in then after after I build. I'm probably building 20, 30 lineups. So I still need to obviously, you know, update. I mean, obviously the lines will move a little, projections will change a little, but this is this is kind of the, the first look. It's, from an underdog perspective, like that's the one thing that sticks out to me the most 
is that at the current projected ownership that I have, there's no like underdog that's like, oh, okay, this is the guy that I want to have more of compared to the field than others. Like it just feels like right now it feels like there's that there's not that dramatic of an edge on this slate based on what I'm seeing. Other than other than construction differences. The edge, the edge here, based on the ownership that I see here and the lines that are currently out, from just like a like odds for and projection versus ownership thing, I think it's fairly efficient. It's not it's more efficient than, than a lot of slates. But from a construction standpoint, from a duplication perspective, I think that's where the edge is on this slate. Where they're gonna see a lot of Suarez, San Hagen, Carantillo lineups. Or t- at least two of those. You're more likely to see San Hagen Carantillo because it's the five round main event. But you still see Suarez Carantillo lineups also. So like, just going to see a lot of them. They're going to be overrepresented. Now that's the most probable lineup. I mean, just understand that they're playing a game of probability. You're not looking to play the most probable thing. You're looking to play the most profitable thing. In the long run, over and over again. So if you're going to play lineups that are duplicated 80 to 100 times, it may be nice to win that $3,200 or $2,800 or whatever, $1,800 when first place is supposed to be $100 or $150,000. It may be nice on that that specific day. Oh, okay, look. I played five lineups. I paid $90 and I got back $2,200. Yeah, but you could have played lineups that got back $100,000. And he chose not to. <coughs> the lineup that you played is a little bit more probable, but much less profitable. <coughs> wow, wait, I, I made it pretty much the whole show without coughing until the end. <coughs> Justin Sports asks, uh, do you ever 150 in MMA? Rarely. It's a, a 75. I'll do. Rarely one. I, I would have to see a humongous edge, or they have to make it so that it's like a six dollar entry. If they, they never do that in MMA, <coughs> like in baseball, basketball, football. Yeah, if it's you know four dollar mini you know, home run explosion, fifty k to first. <coughs> but they're increasing the size of the contest, but only making it like a five dollar entry. Then, then I may play. <coughs> Then I may play 150. Even then, a lot of times I'd 100. I mean, you can. It's just more. It's just more risky. Playing 150 lineups is not easy. It's much easier to play less lineups. <laughs> on this slate, I'm probably depending on where this goes. I make 20 lineups. I'll play 20 into the 18. Or I may do something where I play like 10 into the 18 and five into the $8, 10K to first, five and the five. I mean, I'll play 500, a thousand bucks or whatever. And then depending on if I see a, a decent enough edge, I'll play the, the 555, right? With one entry. That, 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 that If you're playing the 555, you're playing like a, you know, the single entry, 300, 400, people in the contest. I mean, you can get away with doing like Suarez, San Egan, Carantillo lineups. I mean, even, or playing two of them. 
Like maybe I don't play all three, but playing two of them, you can get away. You don't you don't need the nuts in those lineups and in, in those contests. But I'm much more likely the large field to put a, a cap on 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 the three of them to max one and make sure that I'm getting under fives. And the small field stuff. I mean, if you get a lineup that's duplicated four times, that's bad. But you also don't need the nuts, right? You don't need the nuts in those contests. But when there's thirty-five thousand entries in there, you're gonna you're gonna need the the winning lineup is gonna be more and more likely the best possible lineup, the optimal, the nut lineup. So tune in tomorrow to crunch time. There'll be a half an hour before lock, I believe. I believe five thirty tomorrow, depending on when baseball is scheduled. Maybe it'll be five. You'll see the thumbnail. It'll be here on the YouTube channel. Subscribe if you're new. Hit that thummy thumb. Hit the thummy thumbs on your way out the door, right? Like, subscribe, do all those things. Notification bells. I right? put those on. And, uh, and yeah, go through August. Heading into NFL season. We'll be talking about baseball. We'll talk about football. We'll be talking about whatever you want. If you have questions, I got answers. So email them in. Questions at theoryofdfs.com. And as always, if you want... If you want to learn more about, you know, game theory, strategy of daily fantasy sports, as well as the theory of DFS for advanced players, right? You can get my tools. I use I use my Excel tools, the James McCall's Excel tools that are part of this course for MMA. I use the, the duplication predictor, right? Especially at MMA, showdown. You got to use something like that, right? You put in, you cut and paste the projections, you cut and paste your lineups, salaries and everything, it'll show you. Then based on based on based on these lineups, this is this is predicted to be duplicated on average six times. This lineup is du- predicted to be duplicated on average twenty times. Now, I'll, I'll, a lot of times, I'll instead of making twenty, I don't just make twenty lineups. I'll make two hundred lineups and then choose twenty from there. Then I'll use a tool like that to like, okay, let me get rid of the lineups that are. Over over ten at least, if not over five, and then from there, then it's like okay, what twenty do I want to play? And it's just as simple as cutting and paste. You just download it, you download your lineups from Lineup HQ. You export just like you would put in your CSV. You cut and paste in the appropriate fields in that tool. You set the you know the how what the field size is thirty five thousand. You press the button and it'll show you. And then you could trim based on that. You could say, I'll oh, get rid of these lineups. Get rid of any lineup that's above 20, get rid of. Any but any lineup that's above 10 with this fighter, get rid of. So it's very useful. You're gonna you're gonna need that for NFL. You're gonna need that for NFL showdown coming up this year. It saves a ton of time. A ton. Oh, it's so so time so so time consuming to do all that like manually. Eyeballing stuff. No, no, my my MMA process I could I could do probably in under ten minutes, no problem. Now, do I fiddle with it more than that? Yes, but I mean, I I could if if it was it was ten minutes before lock, fifteen minutes before lock, I go bing bang boom, run this, run that, ding ding, get rid of that. Okay, did 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 cut and paste, you know, cut and paste into the CSV and then I'm uploading. I can't do that. Most of the time, I just screw around with things. Ah, do I really want to do it? But 
what types of lineups are like this? And like, do I want to have really barely any of that person? Do I want to have two lineups of that? Yeah, I hem and haw over like port portfolio management more than anything else. But this saves a ton of time. You can check that out at theoryofdfs.com. Pick up the uh the fundamentals masterclass, 15 hours, as well as the advanced players guide and Excel tools, theoryofdfs.com. And I'll be back. I'll be back next week. So I'm here answering your DFS strategy questions, as always, Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern, on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.